Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From AccuWeather, this is everything under the sun. Real news and real stories covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome in. This is episode nine of Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com here in 2023. We have been concentrating on how stormy it has been. We really looked at those West Coast storms last week, but not only are the West Coast storms continuing, but we had a nor'easter to deal with on the eastern seaboard in the early part of this week. As this episode drops, we're kind of finally getting out of the effects of that, but we'll talk about where we're going into the future in the weather with Alex Sosnowski and Brandon Buckingham in our second segment. Up first in our first rays of focus. One of the things we've been talking about the last few weeks is how warm it's been early on in the season east of the Mississippi. Places running three, four weeks ahead in terms of vegetation, leaves, and that also means insects are out early. And Dr. Jim Fredericks, our friend from the National Pest Management Association, PestWorld.org, is waiting in the wings to talk about the early season problems with pests and everything else. Sit back, relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. For those that have been listening to Everything Under the Sun over the last few years, you are uh, certainly familiar with our next guest. He is Dr. Jim Fredericks, Senior Vice President of Public Affairs at National Pest Management Association. He's a board-certified entomologist and Senior Vice President of uh, Public Affairs at MPMA. He went to uh, Millersville University and then got his Master's at the University of Delaware and then his Ph.D. in uh, Wildlife Ecology at the University of Delaware as well. Look, he's uh, been a a frequent guest with us and he really knows how to kind of relate what's going on with the weather currently and the things that you need to do to adjust your life to be ready for pests and problems. And with this early season warm-up that we've had with the milder-than-average winter, east of the Mississippi especially, and other problems, we've got all kinds of things, including termites being a big issue in this early season. Let's bring in Dr. Jim Fredericks from PestWorld.org to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Well, it's always good to talk to our friend, Dr. Jim Fredericks. And um, what a spring. Well, it's not officially spring on the calendar. Meteorologists have uh, been talking about spring since the beginning of March about two weeks ago. But I've been telling people, especially um, Great Lakes down through the eastern seaboard here, Jim, that as nice as February felt, even at average, historically average temperatures, March was going to feel colder. And there are signs, and we've been seeing that, is it's uh, colder than normal here on uh, several occasions as the cold air comes in and we spin up these kinds of storms. But the reason we wanted to talk to you is because I know intrinsically because my flowers, my spring, my daffodils and my crocuses 
My crocuses are out, a few of them. My daffodils are pending. They're fighting the snow that we've been having here in the last couple of days, uh, the light snow. But with those, I've seen bugs. I've seen insects. I And we've gotten an early start. And we talked a little bit about how to kind of mitigate that in the gardening world. I think uh, we need to have some discussions about mitigating it in the pest world. And I would imagine those areas from the mid-Atlantic states, say we're D.C., I mean, they're two, three, four weeks ahead of yeah. putting uh, flowers and foliage out. From there down, I mean, they're off to the races with bugs and stuff. And so as an entomologist, as somebody that looks at that, helps people deal with that, what are the problems from these early onset of bugs and insects that we've been seeing here in parts of the country? Well, Dean, um, this kind of mild winter that we've seen throughout much of the the, the country has, um, you know, really is going to impact some of these pest populations. And it does it in a couple of ways, right? If we have a mild winter, that means there's going to be a greater level of survivorship for those pests that are trying to just make it through the winter. And if we have more pests surviving, that means we start out with larger populations of pests in the beginning of the spring. Now, of course, we may see some, you know, some cooler weather and that may have some impacts, but at the very least, we know we're going to be starting out with lot large populations. Additionally, the mild winter can also result in just simply an extended activity period. So an early spring means an extended pest activity period for the summer. It means we just encounter these pests more, but it also gives these pests a greater amount of time throughout the extended spring, summer, and then into the fall to reproduce and these populations to build. So an so early might, spring can actually right. mean even more in the summer and the fall. Right. You may be adding a, a, a reproduction cycle to some of these animals, right? And whereas we're here, say, in Pennsylvania, maybe some of these had two production cycles. Now they may have three because of the extension of the time. Is that true? That is true. So I'm thinking about, you know, uh, some pests that you deal with in, uh, in, in Pennsylvania, like the brown marmorated stink bug. If it has a long activity period, so there's a kind of long and early spring or a, or a kind of extended fall, you can actually squeeze in extra generations of those bugs mm. uh, that will then enter the enter the winter where they're overwintering at homes. And so, yeah, these this changes in some of these patterns within kind of these shoulder seasons of spring and fall maybe uh, being squeezed and that summer being extended a little bit um, can definitely impact these pest populations. When you look at this whole scenario, is there any benefit for folks with having uh, some of these insects out earlier or is this an all a negative right now and uh, could be a negative going forward? Are there any positives to having <laughs> the insects out early and often here? When it comes to the pest populations, and that's really what I'm focused on, I don't think there's really any any positives here. Um, now, of course, you know, um, there, there probably are some positives in terms of, you know, maybe there's going to be a little, little bit more food for the birds and that sort of thing. Um, but when it comes to the pest populations like ticks and mosquitoes, these pests that are actually spreading disease, the more time they have to be active, the more time that they're in conflict with people, the more likely it is that they'll be able to spread some of these pathogens that cause diseases like Lyme disease that cause West Nile virus. And so I think that those are definitely on the negative side. When you look at, I mean, we talked, I think, uh, last couple of years about the tick season and, uh, you know, certain environmental situations making it longer and more stressful. That's one I, I already have encountered just a couple of weeks ago when we were in that really surge of days. A couple of times we got, see, I already encountered playing disc golf a, a tick or two. So 
Yeah, this is really need to be vigilant now uh, over the next couple of weeks, especially in these areas where we're going back and forth and they're definitely they're panicking. Right. They have a nice warm day and they're like, oh, everything's great. And the next thing you know, they're cold and they're like, I need food. I want something warm and and, uh, something to eat. So they're definitely going to be on the lookout for getting on things that that they can bore into. Right. Yeah, for sure. You know, ticks. Um, anytime that weather is any any of those days that come up above 50 degrees, um, you're going to have tick activity. And they've been waiting. You know, they've kind of been in a state of almost suspended animation throughout the winter. Um, but when it, the weather gets warm enough, they're going to be seeking food for sure. Um, you know, another another pest that it isn't necessarily a pest that transmits disease like mosquitoes or ticks would be the termite. Oh. So as we have kind of an early spring and a mild winter, um, we're going to see termites swarming um, earlier uh, in some parts of the country than we normally would see them. And termites are causing um, upwards of $6.8 billion in damage each year across the country. And uh, and almost every state in the country uh, is going to have termite activity, with the exception of Alaska, um, you'll find termites in every single one of these states, not just a southeastern or southern uh, problem. We're talking with uh, Dr. Jim Fredericks from our friends at the National Pest Management Association. Their amazing website, pestworld.org. This is where you uh, trademarked this. I like this. Vector sectors. Um, these are with this increased amount of activity and other things here going into the spring that we need to look for, um, you know, below average precipitation in late fall, followed by above average temps and precipitation in winter. Places like Indianapolis and Pittsburgh is one of the, the highlights there. And I think that would work over towards me in central Pennsylvania. Then you get up to places like New York and Boston, above average temps and precip and fall, mild temps in the precipitation in winter. Uh, so then you take all of these areas and you say, well, this is the factors and then what may be resulting, whether it's ticks or rodents or mosquitoes, cockroaches, that's where you kind of get the vector of what the weather has been and what that will cause, right? In terms of increased activity, in terms of that specific pest or rodent. That's exactly what we do. What we do, you know, this idea of a vector pest, a vector pest is going to be any pest that is going to be able to transmit the pathogens that cause human disease. And so we look at these pests like cockroaches and, and mosquitoes ticks and rodents and try to determine how some of these weather patterns uh, that we're seeing might impact their populations. Because um, the insect populations, especially these pests that are both indoors and outdoors, uh, are going to be impacted greatly by things like temperature and by precipitation. So we look at some of these things and what we try to look for are some of the outliers, the things that are maybe a little bit different that are going to either cause these populations to um, to be to decrease or perhaps to increase or might cause some behavior behavioral changes like pests being driven indoors or pests being more likely to be encountered outdoors. And so when we take these things into consideration, what we do is we come up with this list uh, two times a year um, that we try to identify what the top 10 U.S. cities are uh, for these vector pests and how these uh, how weather uh, is going to impact these pest populations and their behaviors. When you look at this whole situation, um, one thing, there are some things we can do, right? We can uh, make sure that we're sealed up. So things that are out there don't get in. We can uh, certainly look at, you know, making sure. And I had a problem last year 
I store birdseed in my garage and I got an infestation of, I'm not exactly what sure it was. I think they were like little silkworms that uh, then grew into, uh, you can probably tell me. I, Dr. I Fred, bet they were probably Indian meal moth. Okay. Uh, and that was a pain in the butt. Let me tell you. And I got a whole lot of grief from my partner about that and it took me about uh, a week or two to mitigate that because you couldn't keep finding, you kept finding that they had gone into places that you hadn't thought they were. So those are the kinds of things. Just make sure as you're going over the next couple of months, as you're getting out and about, and you're trying to wake up yourself and your ground and all that stuff. Just look, if you see with the, the garage door closed, light coming in at some point at the bottom, you've got a problem. Um, and then there's other places you may have those same kind of problems too, uh, that you need to to really look at and, and, and think about uh, before it's too late, right? Yeah, well, this is the time of year that people are thinking about spring cleaning. And that spring cleaning takes place in the house. It also takes place out in the yard. So people are getting their flower beds ready. They're getting their garden, their vegetable gardens ready. They're getting their, their backyard cleaned up a little bit. And this is a perfect time to kind of do a pest inventory to look for those places where you might be able to seal up the building. So any place that has a gap that's a, a quarter inch wide uh, needs to be needs to be sealed up. So where utility penetrations are, maybe around doors, windows, but it's not just that. Um, it's also a good time to take a look at anything that could be holding standing water. Uh, so standing water around, around the property is going to be a place where mosquitoes are going to be able to lay their eggs. Those eggs are going to develop into larvae and then eventually into flying, biting mosquitoes that are potentially uh, transmitting uh, pathogens. Uh, you want to make sure that weeds are cleaned up and the grass is cut, and especially along those edge areas, because that's where, term, or, uh, that's where ticks are going to be found. And when you're out in these places, remember, as soon as that weather uh, warms up, you're going to need to wear repellent. I also think it's really important this time of year to be on the lookout for termites. Um, we're coming off uh, National Pest Management Association last week celebrated Termite Awareness Week. And we're trying to get the word out about termites because these are pests that can really put, really damage homes. And so looking for the signs of termites around the outside of the building, that is uh, mud shelter tubes as termites are kind of making their way from down in the soil up into the building, looking for signs of damaged wood. Uh, being on the lookout for termites themselves. The spring is the time of year as the temperatures rise, swarming termites, flying termites are going to be found. And sometimes they can be found in large numbers. So if you see any any flying insects, especially inside the house, um, might look like, like uh, to the untrained eye like flying ants, best to call a pro to get a positive identification to determine if those are termites and, and some mitigation might be necessary. Jim, uh, it's always good to talk to you. I think great information. We should use this over the next couple of weeks. And when we get uh, a little bit closer to traditional bug and pest season, maybe we'll check in with you again. It's been great. That's great. Thank you. Again, thanks to Jim for being with us. And I can't strongly uh, suggest enough pestworld.org, all kinds of great information, including the stuff that we talked about here today and anything else uh, that you might want to know about pests, rodents, all those kinds of things, pestworld.org. Thanks to Jim and the National Pest Management Association for always being there when we need that kind of information. It's been a busy, busy week in the weather office here at AccuWeather.com World Headquarters. You will uh, hear from a couple of the folks who've been working hard with me to kind of get this story out about all the storms, West Coast, East Coast. Brandon Buckingham and Alice Siknowski join me next to talk about what has been a busy week of weather and what to look for ahead. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com as we wrap up what has been an incredibly busy week here in the weather office. i got two of our meteorologists who work so many uh, situations here at AccuWeather, including as we record this today, they're working in our AccuWeather.com stories department. Senior meteorologist Alice Siknowski and also Brandon Buckingham. And I'll tell you what, from the last couple of weeks, I'm exhausted. I mean, with all these storms again in the West and then this... Uh, nor'easter that we dealt with over the last couple of days let's start with alex i mean I, I, one of the most incredible busy weeks i've seen in a while here yeah it has been an incredibly busy winter for california in general the storms just keep coming uh, one after another and it looks like that's going to continue uh, for the foreseeable future and we finally uh, at least folks in, in new england are, are finally saying we finally got a big nor'easter yeah. uh, but when you get both of those in the same week uh, it can be quite challenging, but uh, certainly uh, the storm in the northeast uh, that we just experienced, uh, while it did miss some of the major cities from, from New York down to D.C., uh, it, was, it had all the bells and whistles across interior New England and uh, parts of New York State, uh, northeastern corner of Pennsylvania with the snow, the wind, and, and the power outages and the difficult travel. Yeah, I think about the only thing that maybe I think was harder to, and we knew this was hard. We knew that 95 corridor was going to be a tough forecast, how much air, cold air would wrap around the system. I think the good news was it looked to me like the system, Brandon, kind of jogged a little bit more east more quickly. At one point, there was modeling that said it was going to do a hook right back into Boston, but that didn't happen. I think that kind of saved them from getting that real strong wraparound, but uh, interior parts buried under a couple of feet of snow and no heavy wet snow. That's true, yeah. This was one of the most uh, impressive events of the season that we've seen thus far. Luckily, we held with our forecast of, you know, under an inch of snow for New York City. I'm glad to see that pan out well for the folks there and but of course it was quite a gradient as you work your way up the hudson river valley with some uh, very impressive snowfall totals as you as you worked your way north of the nyc metro area alex one thing i know that you're really uh, adept at is looking at the future so taking what's going on now and then also thinking about the future and problems and i know we've talked about this the last couple of weeks but we are setting ourselves up after these parade of storms is over again in California for massive problems with flooding and different types of flooding because of the different snow levels. I mean, we had all that low-level snow that we aren't used to, and it's going to be a challenging few weeks out west. Yeah, especially uh, not only in the west, too, the upper Midwest. Uh, There's a very deep snowpack 
yeah. up across uh, the upper Midwest right now, parts of Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. They've been, they have not been missing the snowstorms this right. winter. And, of course, the tremendous snowpack that you have over the Sierra Nevada and California, that has to be dealt with uh, this spring. And I know uh, our expert, Ken Clark, uh, has been talking about this. I mean, it's it seems like it's feast or famine in California. Well, the rains have returned, the snows have returned to the mountains. Now we got to deal with the potential problems that 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 will be unleashed from that. Uh, we still haven't really dealt with that snow melt yet up in the Rockies. They need the moisture to help fill the reservoirs. They're already filling the reservoirs from the rain, so it's going to be a real interesting spring and early summer out there to see uh, how quickly that snow melts, uh, and also correspondingly too for the Upper Midwest. Uh, we, you want a gradual melt uh, of that snow up there to avoid major problems on the Mississippi. Yeah, um, we've had those uh, last few years, but at least I think if it's if it does it more gradually, we shouldn't have as many problems. I mean, last year, remember, we had problems with low levels on the Mississippi River, and that caused right. some shifting uh, problems. I don't see that this year. No. We're still recovering now from from those low levels. So, so the levels on the Mississippi are, are probably a little bit lower than what we're typically going to be starting at in the spring. Uh, but that can change in a hurry, and it's all going to depend on how many storms we get that track up into the upper Midwest, you know, with heavy rain and rapid snowmelt, that kind of thing. That's always kind of like a smoking gun kind of effect. Uh, Anytime you have deep snow cover, at least the snow cover is not very deep over a very broad area uh, of the northern and central plains like we've had in some winters. This is a little more isolated. So as we look at it, Brandon, going forward next week, I mean, uh, another big storm to the Pacific Northwest. It looks like the east um, stays pretty uh, okay. The southeast may start to see some area of low pressure develop as we get into the middle of the week, and that may have to come up along the eastern seaboard at some point. Yeah, looking into the first half of next week, I think our two main highlights here are going to be the return of the hyperactive pattern out west, and then whatever we may have bubbling across the southeast, we'll have to see if there's any potential for that to curl northward up the Atlantic coast. We'll have to, of course, keep a close eye on it. But I think as we progress through the first half of the week, these are going to be our two main headlines that we're going to be watching. Friends, that'll do it for everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com here for another week. We want to thank our guest, Dr. Jim Fredericks from the National Pest Management Association, PestWorld.org. All the information from Dr. Jim and all his uh, counterparts there. And thanks again to Brandon and Alex for a great job. You can catch their work on AccuWeather.com as you can catch the work of our hundreds of team members at AccuWeather who work hard every single moment of every day trying to help you weatherproof your life and keep you ahead of the storm. That's what we do here at AccuWeather in terms of uh, letting you come for the weather and stay for your life. Going ahead, we'll do more stories and subjects that matter, whether it's breaking weather news as some of these big storms have been or the weather and gardening, the weather and astronomy, the weather and sports. Those are all stories you'll hear going forward. Ask around to people who like the weather if they'd be interested in listening and make sure that you share this podcast with them. And as we go forward, if you've got ideas for stories or questions, AccuWeather.podcast.com at AccuWeather.com is our uh, email site where you can get us uh, the questions or some information you might want to pass along as well. For our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, I'm Dean DeVore. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week here on Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. 
The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.